Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a brand new show, The Business of Marketing. It is my absolute honor and delight to introduce you to this new show. I am Nadine Dietz, the Chief Community Officer of Adweek. I'm also the host of CMO Moves and now a co-host of The Business of Marketing. So what is The Business of Marketing? Well, The Business of Marketing is brought to you by both Adweek and SAP. After diving deep into what every CMO on the planet is talking about, which is how to build their credibility and leverage their influence in the C-suite. So the business of marketing is going to do just that. But instead of asking CMOs what they think, we're going to ask CEOs, CIOs, CTOs, CHROs, and other members of the C-suite what their opinion is of marketing today and how marketing can help to collaborate across the C-suite to drive growth for the company. So this is going to be pretty intense. We have some amazing guests coming up, and we certainly hope that you will subscribe and join us every week as we bring forward new perspectives from across the C-suite. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Marketing. I am so excited. This is our very first episode, and I could not be more honored and delighted to welcome two incredible leading ladies to join me today to talk about the business of marketing, we'll have Janie Whiteside, Chief Customer Officer of Walmart, and Deborah Koyama, Global Growth Operations Officer of Unilever. So without further ado, Janie and Deborah, hi and welcome. Hi. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous here. I don't know about you. This is a big episode, the first one. You two incredible ladies. We got a lot to cover today. So the business of marketing, that's a big topic. And both of you ladies are intimately familiar with the role of marketing and have experienced that in your life, but you have different roles than the chief marketing officer. In fact, Janie, we're going to talk about this later. The CMO reports into you. So why don't we start first by each of you describing your roles? Uh, Deborah, how about you go first? Sure. First of all, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be joining you both today and, and, and the audience uh, as well. 
I have been CPG my entire career, so more than 25 years in an industry where marketing is a very central function. So I have had the opportunity. And also, I look to on purpose to zigzag between more operational PNL roles as well as central roles. So after being a CMO in my last company, I decided to take this opportunity, one, because I couldn't be more aligned with Unilever's vision, mission, and values, a company that I have always admired, and two, because in this role, I'm back to be closer to the operations and PL side of the business. My role is a new one in the company. So I see between all the markets globally and the central categories as well as the central functions. And my mission is very simple. It's to unlock growth in the short as well as mid long term for the company collaborating with all these teams. I have sat in all these different roles before in my career, so I can relate to the challenges and opportunities. Um, in a nutshell, I had three strategic pillars. One, strategy into action, performance and execution and culture, which is something that I'm very passionate about. And right now I'm working on unlocking, maximizing innovation for uh, the company across the business. Congratulations. I know you've been there for a year, but it is a brand new role. And so congrats to you. Jamie, how about you? So uh, Chief Customer Officer was a new role for Walmart. I'm coming up on uh, two and a half years as the first Chief Customer Officer. And really the intent is to look after all the customer touch points and make sure that we are thinking really horizontally across the business to solve problems on behalf of the customers to make their lives easier. So that sounds grandiose, but you can think of it as all the areas that aren't kind of the traditional functional expertise uh, that a retailer would have. So uh, you know, insights, data, analytics, customer journeys, you know, all of the all of the objective data and metrics and measurements that we need to power, you know, our business, our customer services teams, and whether those are physical or digital for both our customers and our associates, product physical and digital product for our customers and our associates, including the pickup and delivery business, the marketing uh, team, as you mentioned before, Walmart Connect, which is our media business, um, our services business, so financial services, lottery, uh, what we call fourth wall, so any uh, businesses that are in and around our store, um, and then uh, last but not least, Walmart Plus, our ever-growing membership program. So as you can see, it's all the things that sort of surround uh, and power our core business. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And Janie, let's talk about marketing. Let's talk about the CMO. And how would you define the role of CMO in driving growth for Walmart um, as they report to you? So look, I'm super lucky because I have a wonderful CMO in in William White, who's been with us um, for a good few months now. I think about two core areas and then sort of one underlying. I see the CMO driving demand for our business creating demand for our business by telling the stories that drive that demand. And, you know, typically that is about our products and our price, right? And stimulating inspiration, discovery, and all those traditional things, but also making sure that we talk about uh, who we are. So, you know, we talk a lot about um, it's about who we are and, you know, and what we have. Um, And so he tells both of those stories, you know, the, the bigger brand stories about why you should feel, you know, why you should take a look at Walmart, who we are as it relates to our associates, our communities, our society, and then the, the demand uh, generation component of that. I think what I think is really important as we evolve companies or evolve a company like Walmart 
is to also think about marketing as an investment. It's not just a you know a cost line in a PNL that's sort of the you know the cost of doing business, but it's about investing. And we need to make investments in marketing. And so you know we're working hard to call it marketing investments, not just marketing spend. Um, and like any other investment, you should hold us accountable for the return associated with that investment. And if it's a bad return, we shouldn't do it. If it's a good return, we should continue to do it. And we should then think about flexing that marketing spend relative to the return, just as we would any other kind of investment. And that's a big, you know, big evolution, a big cultural shift, um, I think, for the industry in general, but particularly at Walmart. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And I couldn't agree with you more. And Deborah, with growth actually in your title, Global Growth Operations Officer. How do you think about growth and how do you work with your CMO? Yes, so we have a CDMO at Unilever, a Chief Digital and Marketing Officer, and it's Connie Brams, and she's a wonderful leader. And it's great that's combining the two disciplines, if you will, digital and marketing, because it's just so intertwined even more um, every day, actually, it's evolving to be even more connected. So in the more, in the more classic CMO scope, I would, I would say Connie will be responsible for everything that's more uh, under that um, umbrella, if you will, including, for example, marketing philosophy and capabilities. And then I'll come in and I'll make sure that we are applying those um, philosophies in the marketplace with the markets and teams uh, across the entire world, especially from an end-to-end -end standpoint, all the way to not only consumer, but also shopper and customer. Yeah, and we talked about that quite a bit in one of our conversations, this concept of optimizing end-to-end -end customer experience at the local level. I find that fascinating. That's part of your role. Do you want to go a little bit deeper there and explain what that means? Yeah, so basically, I think what really happens in any CPG is uh, what's happening with the consumers in the local market, right? And we're talking about, we classify uh, in 15 big geographies for Unilever globally. So you have to be sure that you're adapting your messaging, what you're doing as a behavioral, as a brand uh, to the local communities and insights, et cetera. So it's really, and obviously make sure that, that you're also looking from a shopper and a customer standpoint locally to be relevant and therefore much more compelling. Yeah. And with that is also employee health and keeping morale and especially in this last year, morale and productivity high. I know you implemented some interesting new things in your first year. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. So as you said, you know, I joined Unilever exactly a year ago. And uh, after a month and a half, we were um, hit by the pandemic. So a few months later, just like in every single business, we were very uncertain in terms of outlook for growth. So I suggested that we want to go hackathon, especially to accelerate growth in the second half, while we're talking about May, June. And to find new sources of growth in the context of COVID, which was, as, as everybody says, this word is so um, used to the unprecedented um, circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. So I started with a pilot in Europe, and the intent was to unite teams across the region um, to come up with new ideas to accelerate top line growth in the second half from their homes, because at that point, everybody was in lockdown, working virtually, and it was so incredibly rewarding uh, to see the teams engaging 
uh, connecting across functions across the entire, uh, again, region. And uh, just to give an example, the mini team of people's hackathon, we gave them two weeks. Um, all teams, uh, it was a two week sprint. And the winning team was able to not only connect geographically, functionally, but also come up with ideas, decide on three top ideas. They market research in two countries and took two agencies to pitch for ideas, three different agencies in three different countries and submitted the idea. All that I'm saying right now happened in two weeks. So um, it was very exciting. And then we expanded to do this um, hackathon globally to 10 geographies. And likewise, it was really uh, rewarding to see teams engaging. And I think the last piece in terms of well-being and, and finding new ways to engage with teams despite of the setup for the, for the winning teams, aside from giving them the funds to implement the ideas, again, to accelerate growth, we wanted to give a, a team experience as you would do in, in, in normal times, if you will, live. And then we end up leveraging a company that works with magic uh, to bond teams as well as foster growth mindset and, and, and high performing teams. And it was great to see again, people like in Australia, Indonesia, in the UK, really coming in this spirit of like, even virtually we're throwing at each other's cards, for example, uh, and seeing the energy and, and, and the bond despite of the setup that we were in. So something, and not only obviously looking for acceleration of growth, but also to bonding and, and, and connecting teams. Wonderful. And Janie, I, I know you have been a huge proponent for employee health. I mean, obviously Walmart has, is it 2.3 million employees now? What's the number now? It's 2.5 globally uh, and about 1.8, I think now in, in the US. Wow. So how did you address this? I mean, that's that's a... A massive endeavor to ensure that everybody is is feeling good during challenging times. Yeah, I mean, look on a macro level, um, we've been very clear from the get go that associate health and safety uh, is our number one priority, and that goes hand in hand, obviously, for us, uh, given that we've been open physically all this time with with customer health and safety, and so you know that involved obviously securing and, and working with PPE and, and mask wearing and everything from the start. Um, you know, I think what's the other thing that's really important for us is to make sure that we are being really cognizant of the fact that you've got teams all over the world, but you know, all over the US in very different circumstances. And we sort of talk a lot about, I'm not clear if we're working from home or homing from work these days. It's like a different days seem to be, seem to be different things. Um, but being much more mindful with, you know, with our associates across the across the board that they are taking a day off, going for a walk, uh, getting outside. Um, you know, I'm sure we all suffer from these days where things happen around the house, and you because you're stuck in you're stuck in a room, and then you suddenly realise that, that things are going on. Um, and so we, I really hope that that emphasis will stick. You know, as as we get through this year and finding new and different ways to to Deborah's point about. Yeah, how can you create um, different ways, particularly for those of us that lead creative teams to stimulate creativity? One of the downsides of Zoom is I think everything is very, you know, there's, there's no pre-meeting sort of preamble, right? You're not walking to the coffee machine with somebody, you know, even if you try and schedule a catch up, it becomes a, you know, it becomes a scheduled thing. There isn't sort of that um, sort of you know, random social interaction that you had. And so trying to find ways to help people people keep inspired 
and empowered and understand what that means is, you know, it's been something that we've been focusing on. I will say though, counterintuitively, one of the benefits I think of being, you know, in people's homes, uh, you know, on calls all the time is that you see that unvarnished, unpolished, you know, really authentic version of somebody, whether that's a dog popping in, a kid, right? Somebody, you know, somebody sitting on a bed with somebody, you know, like you see all sorts of situations about people, you know, the, and I think that's actually almost made us whilst physically distant, more emotionally connected because you just see that, you know, you just see that it doesn't matter who it is, they're a human being um, and they have things going on in their life as well. Before that, you know, this notion of the senior executive was very polished, right? You, you saw them in small polished slices and it was easy to say, oh, that person's got their stuff together. Being able to, to understand that actually we're all dealing with things, I think is, is an upside that we've talked a lot about, certainly in my team, helping create really deep connections with you because you, you just know them on a different level now. Yeah. For sure. And you got the unexpected pleasure of meeting my puppy just a few minutes ago. So um, <laughs> I'm living it right now too, JD. So, um, <laughs> but you know, what's interesting is when we did a, a quick poll of our CMO community, 84% believe that the, the role of the CMO and the role of marketing elevated through last year in so many different ways. But one of them was being the bridge, or as Nuna likes to say, the lighthouse when it comes to the internal culture, the internal employees. How do you see your CMO Williams role in really helping with that communication and, and helping employees along in times of crisis? So I think, look, I think it's a, it's a great point. I think I see it twofold, right? One is clearly um, for us, you know, and look, we've been in a unique position because we've been open for business all, all this time. Um, uh, but clearly, you know, at the, at the beginning, it was about helping restate who we were as a brand, which, you know, it was important to talk about how we value associate safety and even more important to thank those associates that day in and day out were on the front line, right? They were in stores, they were dealing with this during times of, you know, still incredible uncertainty. And so there was a big role for us to play showing up as the brand thanking and recognizing the efforts uh, that our associates were putting in. So that, you know, that was obviously a, a core part of this and, and telling the story and as, as different segments of the population came up, helping to tell the story about how we're helping particularly hard hit communities, you know, or helping small businesses. Um, even though we're a big business, you know, what we were doing around helping small businesses, that's one. Two, you know, as people were, particularly as we got through end of the summer or the beginning of the summer, really, we, you know, we heard things like, I'm, I'm a working parent, I'm stuck at home, I've got nothing for them to do whilst they're off school. And so developing both digital and physical activities to put a bit of fun back into people's lives, whether that was, you know, we had a, a digital summer camp uh, with activities for kids, or as we got into, into uh, the back end of the summer, we uh, repurposed our, some of our parking lots to be drive-in movie theaters for our customers. We did physical activations around the store where you could trick or treat in socially distant ways. We did a holiday light drone show. And so putting some fun back in through experiential marketing, I think has been a second point. And then the third is, you know, I think we need to start as a company, certainly for us, taking a look as we come through this to say, you know, not just the pandemic, but everything we've learned about social unrest and systemic racism. Do our goals as a company, do our employee values, does our purpose uh, feel right? 
Um, does it represent who we want to be moving forward? And so sort of the next body of work, we'll be taking a look at that and ju just bringing it back out and saying, does this feel right right now? And obviously working hand in hand with, you know, with our HR teams to make sure that we feel, we feel that, you know, it's representative of who we want to be going forward. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I love that. In... And Deborah, we talked about this already a little bit about how you've been inspiring fun and connectivity across Unilever in the time of crisis. Let's take a look at how you're thinking about marketing to, to deliver a service to the company and to consumers. How do you think about that? Yes. So as we would do in the marketing function, uh, always is really to make sure that we're tracking all the consumer behavior shifts, uh, what's happening should be really in the post of what's happening in the world, culture, everything else. So I think in times like this, it's even more critical that marketing not only look at the macro context as well as what's happening with, with consumers, but also how fast you adapt, especially again, after one year, we're still in this quite uncertain territory um, and then be able to shift very fast in terms of what you're going to be uh, supporting in terms of portfolio, uh, in terms of channels, communication, pricing, you name it, to, to really maximize the, the parts of the business that are potentially more posed to, to, to do well, like hygiene, for example, in the, in the case of our portfolio. Or how are you going to minimize, as we call the uh, headwinds, right? Like ice cream, which is so reliant on, on out-of-home occasions. So marketing to me is critical. And for example, in the growth hackathon that we run last year, we focus on two categories that were much more impacted with COVID, hair care and deodorants, uh, because people were just using less of those products, being so much time inside. So we really leverage the power of marketing in those occasions uh, as well to, to unlock and, and find new ways of growing those two categories. So the other big topic was around brand health and purpose and really having to step up into providing a, a service for society. Um, and how do you think about that? Janie, let's start with you. Um, you know, look, for us, it's always been part of what we do, right? Um, you know, um, it's really interesting when you talk to people about Walmart uh, and you ask them about Walmart, um, you know, you'll get one set of reactions. And yesterday we had a, a panel of customers come to one of our 
our you know, town halls. Um, and they talk about Walmart, the company, but then they instantly say my Walmart, but at my Walmart, right? These things are really good. These things, you know, we were probing them, well, what can we do better? These, these things, you know, are not so good. Um, and so it's always been my Walmart. And, you know, in, in many communities, we are the lifeblood of that community in terms of employment and, you know, supporting what's going on within the community. And so helping to tell that message, making, making sure that we're reinforcing that message, making sure that we are continuing to support that is, is critically important. Um, for us, if you think about, for instance, what happened in Chicago, two of our stores were actually um, damaged beyond. And we had to take a decision to say, you know, do we write those stores off and, and walk out of the area or, or do we come back? And it was, it was pretty clear that if we walked away, we'd be creating even more issues for that community because they'd be subject to a food desert. You know, they wouldn't be able to get healthy, well-priced food. Um, and so we went back in and not only did we go back in, but we rebuilt those stores to be some of our you know, most innovative, full-fledged stores with health clinics, etc. We're really excited about partnering with the community to be able to, to provide a breadth of services for, for people who may not be able to afford them otherwise. And so it's continuing to do things, but also to be able to, to tell the message I mentioned before, tell the message about what we're doing to help support small businesses or American-made products, which perhaps at first glance, you might not think when you think Walmart. And so it's really important for our marketing teams to tell those messages um, and to make sure we're really connected with what's going on within the business so we, we understand the human stories of individuals, but also the bigger stories of, of the impact that we're making. Absolutely. And, and I'd love to come back to you uh, later, Janie, at some other point in time, because um, what you just said is, is so incredibly true. And we've been talking a lot about that not just from a society impact from the issues we saw last year, but globally uh, sustainability and, and turning the concept of sustainability from a cost center to a growth driver and really having it embedded in every part of the marketing function. So we'll talk about that in the future. Um, and we are going to talk about innovation though in just a minute, but before we do that, Deborah, I know you are passionate about purpose, always have been. What is your point of view? Yes, so you're right. I have been a, a champion, a believer of purpose, social impact, and sustainability for 10 years now since I launched my first platform in that space. And uh, therefore, that's what I was saying. I couldn't be more aligned with uh, Unilever's vision, mission, and values. I don't know if you saw, but we just released some very bold, I would say, uh, humbly social commitments leading the way. And, and I think what we saw last year, even more so, is that people were looking for, one, obviously availability given the pandemic, but also trust in brands. So that was really favoring big brands and big companies. And linked to that, going back to purpose, I think I believe it's even more relevant these days to uh, and critical to make sure that you have purpose at the center of everything that you do. And uh, I'm excited about what we can possibly do uh, going forward. I don't know, also you've seen the, the latest Edelman Trust Barometer. Basically in 2020, people are really trusting businesses above any other institution. So I think we have not only the opportunity, but the responsibility to lead the way as brands and business. And I think it's an exciting time for us uh, with that role in society. Absolutely, completely agree. Now, 
with everything that happened in the last year, we saw a massive technological leapfrog and everything that was projected for five, 10 years out is now two, three years away, which provides a lot of panic and rush, uh, especially when it comes to skills development, but it also provides huge opportunity. Janie, I know this is something that you have been thinking about day in and day out. Uh, what are some of the things that you're excited about that's coming down the pipe? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've talked a lot about, I really think we saw five years worth of customer adoption, particularly as it relates to digital shopping in the food and consumable space uh, in about five weeks. Um, and so that forced us to run super, super quickly. Uh, it's great as somebody who, you know, is driving digital change and, and communicating those messages. There can be no, you know, no greater platform, perhaps not quite as quickly uh, would have, you know, would have been a little bit less exhausting. Um, but I really think about three things. You know, the first is what digital advances or what, you know, sort of omni advances are connecting physical and digital. Do we need to get in place to make sure that we are turning up, you know, we're ahead of the customer and that we're able to give them the experiences that they want. And, you know, so for us, that's obviously connecting our physical and digital stores. That is leaning into, you know, customers want what they want, when they want it, in the channel that they want it in, right? Um, and pretty unforgiving. Um, and so making sure that we have the flexibility to do that is critically important for us. And we're not showing up as an org chart, right? It's really important that we don't connect, you know, you're not, not connecting things because it's in two separate businesses or two separate people run it. We're showing up, you know, on behalf of the customer. So for us during the pandemic, that meant making some really brave choices. Um, you know, we retired, we had two apps, a grocery app and a general merchandise app. We combined those um, and retired the grocery app when it was the number one downloaded app on the app store. Uh, which was, you know, which was a brave choice, but I think the right one to do because we knew that customers didn't want to be, you know, having two separate baskets and, and shopping differently. When I think about marketing messages, um, I think we need, to, you know, we had to pivot and be really innovative really quickly, not just to tell messages about, you know, six foot distancing in the stores and opening hours and, you know, aisle changes, but to think about helping pulse, we had to pulse. I mean, to Deborah's point about availability, we had to think about when, when were we, you know, as we were working to increase pickup and delivery slots, we had to pulse messages, we had to pulse messages on what we had, when you could get it, so you weren't driving, you know, inappropriate demand and, and disappointing customers. And then I think, you know, I'm really excited about this next generation of shopping, for want of a better word, particularly off-platform. And so, you know, what we're doing, you know, and some of the efforts that we're starting to lean into around shoppable content. Uh, we did our first, you know, the first ever live stream shopping event on TikTok. Really excited about doing more of that and creating mechanisms for people to discover products in new and different ways off our platform, but to be able to create, you know, an instant purchase for them doing that. And then I think for me, as not just a buyer of media, but as a, as a seller of media, I'm really excited about the ability to be able to help uh, companies and suppliers, big and small, connect with customers directly um, and place product in front of customers at the right point to be able to expose their brands in ways that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. Um, and our ability to you know, use all of the, the data that we have to make every dollar that a marketer has um, more impactful by, you know, by leveraging our, our data and you know, what we have in terms of first party data, particularly as we move into this you know, non-cookie state and, and all the things that are going on from, it, from an ad tech perspective. 
Yeah, for sure. And you guys just had a big announcement last week on Walmart Connect, right? We did. We did. Uh, you know, and that's exactly why we called it Walmart Connect, right? Because I really think this is about connecting buyers and sellers, right? Suppliers and customers um, and doing it in, in a multitude of ways. But, you know, I always say in the past, uh, I'm aging myself now, but in the past, you would, you know, the, you would, I would, Saturdays, I would go to the shopping mall with my friends and we would window shop, right? And we would experience products and then you, you know, you'd go away and you'd save up and you'd go and buy them. That doesn't really happen. You don't see, I have teenagers. I don't see them going to the mall at the weekend, right? They're exploring them on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, uh, YouTube and, and other places. So being able to figure out new and different ways for people to be able to expose their product and then, you know, drive that, that purchase is, is really critically important, I think, moving forward. Absolutely. And congratulations, by the way, on that move. That was really kind of cool to, to read about that. So Deborah, how about you at Unilever? How are you thinking about innovation and what are you excited about? Yes, yeah, so I think even I'm going to step back for a second. And uh, when we had the pandemic hitting globally, we end up having what we call an agile squad, thinking about what are the big implications for Unilever in the mid, short midterm, I would say. And obviously, we all said this is the moment to really double down on digital transformation, as we all have been looking to do in, in CPG and in, in, I'm sure the retailers, uh, I, I dare to say, sometimes are ahead of the industry. Um, so that's, I think, a, a macro lens of what we're trying to do in terms of totality of digital transformation. And as you said, Nadine, I think we saw last year the the acceleration or even the emergence of social commerce, like the, the massive explosion of aggregators and DTC, etc. But for us, I would highlight obviously the focus on e-commerce, both omnichannel, as Jenny was saying, as well as pure play, but also different business models like DTC for, for Unity of Ice Cream now. I don't know if you if you know, but it's a great way for you to get your Ben and Jerry's or magnum, if you will, especially giving lockdowns and no access to out-of-home classic uh, points of sales that you would get um, those streets. So I, it's exciting. I think I, I, I'm passionate about digital as well. It's this exciting time landscape. I think we have to really accelerate even more. As you say, the landscape has gone so much faster across all these different sectors, you name it, um, AI, et cetera. But I think we're focusing on making sure that we're really getting ahead on e-com and everything that goes under that big umbrella. Great. So I have two questions left for you ladies, and um, I'm excited to hear your answers to both of them. They're going to be very different kinds of questions. So as you think about the role of the CMO, going back to the business marketing, their opportunities to really step up and help drive growth for their organizations, what advice would you give a CMO today on how to truly have impact Yes, so I would say, again, it sounds very obvious, but I don't think it's that easy to, to put in, in action, is to continue to be obsessed about consumers uh, and customers, especially in such evolving, uncertain times that we're in right now. So I think last year we were so inward just because we were all addressing the crisis at hand just in time. I think this year 
uh, in this new normal, if you will, I think it's even more important to continue to be focused on what's happening with consumers and customers um, in this setup because I feel that everything can change quite fast and you have to be able to pivot fast. And if you're not paying attention to consumer and customers, you may miss opportunities or challenges. And Janie? Okay, Deborah, we're going to have to do this again because I think that, you know, that's the exact answer uh, I would give. I think, you know, just to maybe build on that, when you put the customer front and center uh, and you ask, why am I doing something uh, and why will it impact, the, you know, what will it do for the customer? You make the right decision. Just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something. Um, and so we spend a lot of time just saying, just because we can do it, you know, why should we do it and what, what's in it for the customer? And I think you've got to keep your eye, particularly now, on what they're doing and what they're telling you explicitly and implicitly in order to be able to, to make the right decisions and be ready to pivot when you need to pivot. Because to Deborah, we're in a sort of, who thought this would be a new normal, right? But, but still, you, you, know, you see these behaviors adapting as people say, okay, well, I'm going to, now, now I'm used to this, I'm going to go here. Well, now I'm here, now I'm going to go. And so you know, you've got to be front and center looking at the customer all the time. Just to be to one point that you made also, Janie, earlier, and, and to your question, Janie, I think it always has to deliver business results, right? We say uh, it always has to be towards like delivering growth. Whatever you do from a marketing standpoint, wherever you sit in the organization has to have a business impact. First and foremost, because I, I know that in the industry we're getting in these big debates about CMOs and chief growth officers, you name it. But in the end of the day, you're looking to serve your consumer, your customer to have a business impact. And obviously with that, have the platform to help uh, society and the world. But uh, I just want to make sure that I'm connecting those two dots as well. And to Jenny's point, obviously we're looking at it ROI. Right. Well, okay. Now my last question, because I'm, I'm a little bit whimsical, as you know, and not only do I admire you two ladies for your acute business acumen, but I admire you ladies because of your career paths, your journeys, your lives. Okay, so we're going to end this show with something super fun. And Janie, I'm going to start with you. If someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? So I think it would be something along the lines of, it takes a village. Um, and I think it takes a village to do what I do, right? I have an amazing team around me. I have an you know, amazing family who support me. Um, it, I've had amazing people um, all throughout my career who've taken ridiculous chances on me at, at points during my career. Um, and so I think it, 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 take, it takes a village. Every company is a village, right? We're, we're a family. And so it's, it's about um, knowing and recognizing and thanking the people that are around you and, and help move you forward. Okay, Deborah, how about you? My title uh, would probably be the journey of purpose. And the reason why I say that it is uh, the combination of my own personal purpose and finding that, the journey to find that as well as my purpose uh, overall when I, when I, for example, decide what I'm gonna do professionally. And uh, so just to link those two points, one, uh, my own personal purpose is about 
inspiring, unlocking the best out of people, especially young talent. I'm very passionate about that. Uh, to be the best that they can possibly be and ultimately impact the world. And I am very happy that I'm able to leave that purpose being in business uh, today. There was a time that I thought maybe I should potentially one day work for the UN or a nonprofit to have a big impact in the world. And I think I feel very lucky and privileged because I realized that actually, as I was saying earlier, uh, we in brands and business can have a big role in impacting um, society and the world. So those two points coming together leads me to the journey of purpose as my book title. <laughs> That's awesome. You two are fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Our first episode ever. I've learned so much from both of you, not just today, but throughout your careers. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been an honor. Pleasure. Pleasure.